Folks, we're halfway there. Happy Hump Day from the Podcast Daily. It's Bill Landis, Jeremy Birmingham. I'm Austin Ward, and we're at the Woody. It's a Woody Wednesday as we get ready for the game. And this has been the best part of my week, is asking Berm every day for a vibe check. It's especially great because it's only been two days. He's been asked like six times. But it changes every hour. No, the vibe hasn't changed. I, 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 I really do feel like this Ohio State team, and if it's a little echoey, folks, sorry, it's raining outside and we got kicked off the indoor because of practice. And we're doing the best we can. So this might be a little tinny, but if it is, sorry. And if it is, oh well. Um, that's the vibe, really. Okay. Which You're is, just worried about the audio and nothing else. The vibe is like, hey, everything that can be done has been done to this point. Like now Ohio State just has to go take care of the business. I've said it a couple times this week. Ohio State has higher end talent than Michigan and more of it. And you need to go out there and just take care of business. It's going to be a tough game. It's going to be what Kyle McCord described it as multiple times on, on Tuesday, which is a, a fist fight. I mean, they're, they they know what they're walking into. And I think this team is mentally ready. And, um, you know, I, I, the nerves, it's like the fan nerves will really crank up on Friday. You know, when you start seeing when you start seeing college football, the big rivalry games going on this weekend, and then you're like, oh, crap, this is the one that actually matters more than anything else. Yeah. I know that many people love the stonk watch, but we're not going to do one for this game. But we are going to talk about some players that maybe we're not talking about enough. So who or which units or which coaches is more important for this version of the game, this edition, which is... The biggest one of all time and the biggest there will ever be again. Who are we need to be talking about more, Bill? Who's not getting enough spotlight? Hmm. I I kind of think Devin Brown's gonna have a role to play in this game. Um we've talked You're talking about, yourself into that. I they're gonna have to finish drives against Michigan's red mm-hmm. zone defense, which statistically is very good. Ryan Day made the the appropriate point that they have not faced a lot of red zone trips. Uh, they didn't face a goal-to-go situation until the Penn State game. Um, and they have not been as good in the red zone against Penn State and Maryland when teams actually have gotten the ball down there. But it's still a good defense, and, and finishing drives with touchdowns rather than field goals is at a premium in a game like this. And it wasn't that long ago that they settled on the idea of the best way to do that was to put Devin Brown into the game and let him run the ball a little bit. Now, we don't know about his health, but it's been about a month since he suffered that injury against Purdue. I thought he was moving around better last week pregame. Seemed to have uh, a smaller brace, if any brace. Might, might have just been tape on that ankle uh, when they saw him pregame before the Minnesota game. I so, believe there was still a brace. Okay. But it, was, it wasn't the big, like, robotic. Was not the, right? was not that big old son of a gun that he had before. Yeah. So maybe he's not healthy enough to be a part of this game. But I think if he is, they're going to use him to run the ball because Penn State had some success running Drew Aller. And Maryland, uh, last week, at the three touchdowns that scored in the red zone were all sneaks with its backup quarterback, um, who's like a bigger, sturdier guy than Talia Tagovailoa is. So the blueprint, I think, is out there a little bit. I think quarterback run helps you in this game, and, and Devin Brown is a guy that can give you some of it. I don't disagree. I'm just saying you're really talking yourself into it. I, I, yeah. And I agree yeah. with it. I think it's something that probably becomes part of, of this game. Um, to me, the guy that he hasn't scored a touchdown all year is Julian Fleming. I, I think that – Is that right? I, I don't remember him scoring one, so unless I'm wrong. Yeah. Uh, this is a guy that has been a very important part of the Ohio State offense, despite not getting a lot of the glory and 
not getting a lot of catches. He's been a, a, a major part of the run game. Emeka Abuka is back, and he's as healthy as he's been since the start of the season. Marvin Harrison is healthy. Kate Stover is healthy. Trayvon Henderson is a pass threat is out there. Michigan is a really good defense, and they're going to find ways to, to slow down the parts that they are most concerned about, and, and that's what good defenses do. Um, they're not going to be able to blitz as much as I think they'd want to because you can't risk leaving all those guys uncovered. But I think even if you find ways to eliminate or, or mitigate Marvin Harrison or Emeka Luke or Trevor Henderson, Julian Fleming is still a pretty dangerous pass catcher when he has an opportunity. Ask and, Georgia. Yeah, the guy can get down the field. The guy, and he, I, I just think this is a game where Julian Fleming is going to have his biggest game of the year. And uh, I, 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 I think that because you just can't cover everyone all the time. Yeah. So I, I think that's a guy we just don't talk about enough. And I hope for his sake, for his career's sake, for the legacy, like that this is the weekend where he gets an opportunity to go out there and, and do something special. Well, in that vein, what what's your feel on whether or not they let Carnell Tate do something? Or do you think it's more a game for the veterans because of the magnitude? I mean, I think it's probably the veterans. But, yeah. I mean, I think you're right. Carnell Tate has earned it. He, he certainly got the trust of the staff. He's a guy that the quarterbacks like throwing the ball to. Now, if you're out there in situations where you're going four wide, I mean, we haven't seen Ohio State do that at all this year. I mean, there is that opportunity. I mean, if we harken back to 2018 and Chris Olave as a freshman and and the plays that he made in that game, you're like, whoa, that's weird. And here's this guy wearing number 17 we've never even thought of before. Maybe maybe you do some stuff like that. That's I think that the interesting part of this. We we've sort of all posited throughout the year that Ryan Day's held stuff back that they haven't really unleashed things. Some of that, I think, is because you don't know which comma cord you're going to get from week to week, and so maybe it makes it harder to unleash things. But some of it is you had to get to this game, and now you can let it all hang out. I've been asked about that a number of times, about the holding stuff back from Ryan Day, and <clears throat> I disagree with it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry for that. Um, the thing that I think is not allowed Ohio State to show the entire offense over the duration of the season is mainly everything they had to get through in October which is dealing with an injury to Emeka Ibuka and missing him for four weeks and still not really getting him back to full strength till last week, playing games without Cade Silver, playing games without Travion Henderson. I think in the last two weeks, we've actually seen more creativity and variety in the play calling than I would have anticipated given the level of competition they were facing against Michigan State and Minnesota. So I don't think that they've tried to just like hide the entire playbook and keep things up their sleeve for Michigan. I, don't, I just don't think that they had the personnel to get through uh, that We're stretch of way. the season <laughs> with with showing everything they have. And they've actually gotten, I think, much closer to that with things that you're seeing with Marvin running for a touchdown two weeks ago. Yeah, Xavier Johnson getting some of those plays. And Mecca Ibuka with the pop pass. Like, they've used those things to get through the last two weeks. And that's also coincided with the time that they've been most healthy on offense. Like I, I don't know that it was designed for Saturday. And I think it, it Certainly, Kyle McCord plays a factor in that. You're not wrong, it's, but it's not about inconsistency. It's about growth, and like you can't expect him to run the entire offense without have, never having done it and not having the players who were supposed to be out there doing it. I, I think sometimes we've overlooked how shorthanded they've been in terms of their superstars, and you just expect the next man up mentality to work. Like it, it's not that easy. These are really, really good players, and of course, Kyle McCord and Ryan Day and. Brian Hartline and Justin Fry and Tony Alford would all be looking a lot smarter if they were able to do that stuff every week, but they couldn't. 
Yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I think we tend to overplay that general idea, and I think the way the season has played out is because because of that. There's probably still a thing or two in Ryan Day's back pocket. Like last last year, the the fourth down throw to Kate Silver was not something we had seen Ohio State do. Like they'll they'll have a wrinkle or two off of things that they've done previously. But I, I agree with you. They've done a really good job, I think, the last – I think I would say month overall, but certainly the last two weeks is like a Mecca's come back and, and kind of been his whole self, like, self again of putting together really nice game plans. And they put a lot out there for Michigan to think about, and they'll probably pick and choose from that what they think has worked best, what works best against Michigan. But I don't think we're going to go out there and see like a whole new game plan that we haven't seen before from Ohio State. And I think that G. Scott is going to play a role in that game plan. I, I, I kind of wanted to keep the attention on guys that were like not pure surprises or like bold peas. Like this guy's going to emerge out of the woodwork. Like yeah. G. Scott, when they use the tight, two tight end stuff, is going to have to be on the field. And if you think back to, I don't know, personal motivation for him in this game, he made one of the most boneheaded decisions of the game a year ago. And it was critical and, and really, really cost his teammates and cost Ohio State. Did it? Was that the reason they lost the game? No, but it was certainly a pretty pivotal turning point. And we saw the nice touchdown catch a couple weeks ago on the road. I think you know Bill's made note of a few different plays where he's really held up his end of the bargain as a blocking tight end and helped spring some things to get to the next level for Travion Henderson over the last couple weeks. And asking Cade Stover to do everything for this offense is not fair. He's willing to do it for sure, but you need a second tight end to do many of the things that Ohio State wants to do offensively. It's just part of their core identity. So I think G. Scott's got an opportunity to do that. Will it mean that he gets multiple targets in the passing attack? I'd say probably not, but he's probably going to play 15, 20 snaps that could be pretty significant. And if Ohio State pops one for a touchdown, Travion Henderson behind him, like that will be job well done, and he won't probably get enough attention for that after the game either. No, probably not. I, I, I actually, I think, I think you are correct. Because Kate Stover is going to get so much spotlight from Michigan's defense that G could have some opportunities. I think we, we've seen that earlier in the year too. Like the the, the, the Rutgers game, he was like wide open. He just happened to drop a pass. Like mm-hmm. I think he will have space to operate. Uh, the Sunny style is too obvious. He's too obvious, right? Well, I'll talk about it. We'll decide after you. <clears throat> I just like they're they're not hiding the fact that he's going to have to do a whole lot in this game. Jim Knowles talked about it two weeks ago, and he talked about it again on Tuesday that depending on what look Michigan gets into, but I think we're thinking specifically about these bigger personnel groupings, Sonny's going to be down close to the line of scrimmage and, and be a really important factor in Ohio State's ability to defend the run. And I don't – like he's sort of been used in a few different roles this year, and I think last year when we thought about utilizing Sonny's unique skill set, it was more about coverage on like a guy like a Darnell Washington. Yeah. Um, and they'll have to do that against Colson Loveland in this game too, I, I think, but – this is going to be the ultimate test, I think, of, of Sonny Styles, like the linebacker. If there's multiple versions of him. His, his linebacker <laughs> skill set and his ability to play down in the box, down near the line of scrimmage. I don't know. I kind of feel like he's the most important defender in this in this game. And I don't know that I felt that way about him throughout the course of the season. He has been an important defender. But um, I think a lot of the success, maybe not the success and failures, but I think a lot of the game plan for Jim Knowles is going to hinge on Sonny Styles playing the best game he's played so far this year. Yep, too obvious. Yeah, I figured, but I want to say it anyway. For me, it's taking that a little broader, and I think a lot of the success on Saturday depends on Tommy Eichenberg and Steel Chambers and Cody Simon and Sonny Styles. 
the linebacker. Oh, I didn't know we were just talking about yeah. the stars. You said of the team you now. said we could talk well, about <laughs> you said, guys. I should have made some rules. You said position I, groups. I know. I'm talking linebackers. The, line. the linebackers have I, been. I just like hearing you guys talk anyway. I'm sorry. The I linebackers have had inconsistent moments throughout this season, yeah. and they have. Tommy's not played in two weeks. This game is going to be extremely physical. If you look back and remember the last time they played in Ann Arbor, Hassan Haskins and the things he did to the Ohio State linebackers, probably criminal in a lot of <laughs> in a lot of jurisdictions. <laughs> He could have been imprisoned yeah. for what he did to the last year. Unless a Michigan alum is the judge presiding. Yeah. Unless a Michigan. Yeah. Instantly judge. get that TRO approved. You're good to go. Didn't happen. Uh, remember? Oh. They didn't get the TRO approved. Oh. They um, could have proved it. Well, they, they in were. In their hearts. Didn't they listen to all the lawyers on MGO blog? In the cockles of their hearts, it was approved. Uh, but the linebacker place throughout this season has been really troubled by misdirection. It's been troubled by... Uh, motion and Michigan's going to do a lot of that. And so to me, that group is, if I'm debating like the most important position groups this weekend, it's the Ohio State interior, the offensive line, and the Ohio State linebackers. Who, Which of those groups holds up the best? Um, I, I worry that Tommy Eichenberg may come out with his hair a little bit too on fire and playing a little bit above his, uh, you know, above his skis and trying to figure out Jumping things a little early, getting out of gaps. Michigan is the you cannot lose gap responsibilities against Michigan. That is a a recipe for disaster against a running back like Blake Corum. Jim Knowles talked about it on Tuesday how the, there's more gaps against Michigan than there are against other teams because they run so many offensive linemen at times. Like it is a really dangerous situation for linebackers who are trusting their instincts and not trusting where they're supposed to be. And I, I think that that's a recipe on Saturday that I'm a little bit worried about how it tastes because that is uh, <laughs> that that group will make or break the defense. Well, it's interesting to me, though, because I feel like, and it's not to be argumentative, the, the rushing attack that you're talking about, I think, is the first half of the season for Michigan. And the one that we've seen since, I don't know, I'll pick a random date out of the air, October 18th, has not looked that effective. Like Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards, the the run blocking, pass blocking, the offensive line has not been the same. It's certainly easier if you know what the defense is running. But I'm thinking it's still a man-to-man, mano-a-mano situation. Like you have to be able to win that battle with your guy, the lineman who's coming to the second level to take on Tommy Eichenberg. Tommy Eichenberg has to win that battle. No, I, I think Otherwise, Sonny Styles and Lathan Ransom or Josh Proctor and and everyone else back there doesn't matter. Like you gotta you gotta make that play. So uh, to me, it's just linebacker play has been. We've talked about it throughout the year. It, the responsibilities are different than it was a year ago for sure. But in this game, it comes down to who's tougher. Yeah. No, I I, I don't. I'm not suggesting in any way that you're incorrect to point to them. I I think. Who has better linebackers, Ohio State or Purdue? I think Ohio State. Who has better linebackers, Ohio State or Penn State? I think Ohio State. Ohio State or Maryland? I think Ohio State. Like these guys are more than capable of doing it. That they still have to execute it. To your point, like no, nothing that you said is wrong. But I, I really like Ohio State's chances of stopping Michigan's running game. Now we'll see. It was but, great last year until the fourth quarter. Yeah, they did great stopping the run until they didn't. Yeah, and uh, they, they like drastically over. They played like a goal line defense. Yeah. In the middle of the field. Yeah. The weird thing is, I believe it was Tyleek. They ran a game on the last touchdown, and people in this building rewatched it, and they're like, "That's weird." They pulled a guard directly into that gap on this play. It was like they knew it was coming. Like, mm. They, sp- I don't know. I, I don't know how they could know. 
that's that's way beyond my pay grade. So but even like that's film study. I, it, I, I should stop even talking about it. Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But like, I know that they've looked in staff meetings and broken, because they're looking at what happened in the game a year ago. They're trying to make corrections, comparing that to what they're doing now. And that's one example. Like, did Tommy do something wrong there? He's often the guy that's pointed at for, like, getting out of a gap on that play and then not being able to get out and make the tackle. You know, that's going to be talked about on weekend kickoff this week with, with Bobby and Zach looking at a, a play in just one of those circumstances. Like, they still have to execute. Like even you hear some of these people say, "Well, you know, even if Michigan knew, like Ohio State still had a chance to make the tackle." Yes, that's true. They could have still stopped that play. So they have to do that on Saturday. They have to execute better. Are you saying it's harder to tackle someone when a six foot five, three hundred fifteen pound lineman is on top of you? Mm-hmm. Huh. I don't actually know for sure from experience, but I suspect you can it's hypothesize. Case. Yeah. I've watched enough football to think that's probably more challenging. Here, hey, I'll Bill, sit can you on block you me? and you try to tackle, tackle Bird. All right, that'll be. But now I'll definitely start scripting the show <laughs> to avoid situations like this happening. Um, yeah, I mean, you're right. They have to. The linebackers have to play well, and so do guys like Ty Hamilton uh, on the interior because that's also part of eating up those gaps and, and not falling out of, you know, eye control, discipline, all those other things to stop the run. I, I think Ty Hamilton does not got enough credit for the work he's done this year. And if you're talking about a situation where it does become Michigan trying to run over and over and over, Ty Hamilton's probably more important in this game than Mike Hall, which I would not have imagined saying in August, but it's probably true. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Stopping the run is not Mike's... Uh, he's good at it. And it's, you know, he's, he's a pass rusher, I think, first and foremost. And Ty Hamilton is an unselfish plugger up front who will take on double teams or whatever he needs to do to, to stop the run game. Yeah. Gap filler. Gap yeah. filler. Does his job. Yeah. Which Ohio State said repeatedly on Tuesday in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. They just have to go out there and do their job, execute, then they can uh, make the great state of Ohio proud on Saturday at noon. Um, that's one day closer now. Counting them down uh, as we get done. We'll have another vibe check, not from Burma on Thanksgiving. He's got a day to relax. We'll check in with Anthony Schlegel, though, to see where he's at. I know what his vibe is. And that vibe is going to be <laughs> off the charts. If you need to get ready, pop that on. Uh, in the kitchen as you're getting ready for your Thanksgiving meal. We still have all the other content that you've come to expect, even with the holiday. We know uh, this is as big as it comes, so we want to make sure that we deliver as much content as we can for you all to get ready for noon in the big house on Saturday. This has been the Podcast Daily for a Woody Wednesday appearance. That's Bill Landis, Jeremy Birmingham. I'm Austin Ward. Talk to you later.